0: Good evening, everybody. I apologize for that delay. Okay. Um, we are, in on, in our book, we are on page 67. Um, we're about to talk about the proper intention. Uh, the proper intention and respect for a bracha. So, um, yeah, so for tonight's class... We'll get to get into a little bit of debate. Not everything is as clear cut and dry as everything that we've talked up until the backgrounds that we've had till now. We we'll get to have a little bit of excitement, some some uh, some some debate and or, or an argument in some of the things that we talk about. So let's begin uh, on the bottom page sixty seven, section five. The proper intention and respect for a bracha, and a bracha is not an incantation, as we've said, as we've spoken about up until now. A bracha is an opportunity for us to recognize that Hashem is the one that provided this particular item that we have in front of us, be it a mitzvah or be it something that we're about to have benefit from, and He's the source of that, that, and um, therefore recited with a proper intent and concentration, that bracha will be an affirmation of Hashem's kingship over the world, of Hashem's uh, rulership over the world, and our fealty to Him, our loyalty to Hashem the failure to concentrate on the bracha, of course, means that we don't respect what it is that we're doing. Um, it reveals an insensitivity and a disregard for Hashem's mastery of the world and all that is in it. Um, and that's, a, that's a harsh statement. I mean, again, if you think about that, that means that that, in, it, that opportunity to say that bracha um, is n- not only is it not accomplishing what I set out to accomplish, but in actual fact, it does exactly the opposite. It denigrates our relationship with Hashem and shows a complete lack of respect. Again, not something, not a situation that we want to find ourselves in. So, bracha divorced from serious Kavana becomes merely an empty shell, becomes something that is a negative, uh, almost a negative. Again, it's not completely a negative in the sense that it's better that a person says the bracha than he doesn't say the bracha. At least he is paying lip service, if not... Is even if his mind is not there, even if the intent is not where it's supposed to be, but at least there's at least a sense—a sense of I'm talking to the, that that I recognize that I, that I have to pause momentarily and recognize Hashem and what I'm doing. Um, that that uh, in, that in and of itself has to count for something, which would which would account for the reason why we go ahead and make brachos because. The reality is the frequency with which we re- re- recite brachos becomes a two-edged sword, as he says over here. On the one hand, we're provided with countless opportunities to declare our dependence upon Hashem in every aspect of our daily lives. And we're going to talk about Mitzvah in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the obligation to say 100 brachos every single day and to go out of our way to try to do that. But, but again, we do have this issue of what we call mitzvah sanoshe milumado, which which is that people tend to do things by rote, I spoke about this a little bit in last week's parsha Sheer, um, but it, which I didn't give for the community. I only gave it to my to my girls, so I can share with you this idea. It's a very powerful idea, and that is that it's very difficult to connect the 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 mind and the heart to the body. Um, what I mean by that is is that sometimes we know or even we feel what the right thing to do is. When, then, when we actually come to carry it out, when the action actually has to be done, it's very difficult for us to do that. It doesn't happen automatically. One of the ideas that I saw in last week's Parsha, and the concept of Gid that sciatic nerve in the animal that we don't eat because Yaakov Avinu was wounded by, by the Malach, he was wounded by that um, celestial being with whom he wrestled, that was the idea, that, that, the concept is this, the words in 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 Lashon Hakodesh Gid HaNoshe means the tendon or the or the uh, the sinew Hanasha that forgets. Where where is it connected? Where is that 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 sciatic nerve? Is the main nerve that connects the lower part of body the lower part of the body the the support system that holds our whole bodies upright that holds us in that formation? I once saw uh, the, an idea. It says that the reason why animals walk on all all fours and human beings walk upright is because animals are naturally drawn to the earth. They're drawn to the gashmias. They're drawn to the material, physical world. We are naturally drawn upright towards the shamayim, towards our our spiritual selves, our spiritual beings. So we walk upright and animals walk down on all fours. Even those animals that sometimes walk upright, gorillas or something like that, are more comfortable in a in a walking on all fours. They walk on, They do more parading around and getting around on, the, on their on their on their um, feet and hands and walking on their knuckles than they do standing upright. The idea is our neshama is drawn upwards and it's held upright by our legs and our feet. But the, the what the malach did, what that what happened in that struggle, in that epic struggle between Yaakov and the malach was that he pushed the Gid HaNashe out of place. He pushed that nerve so that it's not where it belongs. And it doesn't automatically function and do what it's supposed to do. Support staff, that, that which allows us to do, carry out the functions that we're supposed to carry out, is supposed to be something that works in the background automatically. We walk without thinking about it. But if you have to limp like it says, Yaakov was tsolea al yerecho. He was limping because of that wound. When you limp, you have to consciously engage in order to make every movement happen. That's that's the world we live in. Even when our heads and our hearts are in the right places, we know what it is that we want to do. We know how we want to connect to Hashem, and we understand and we feel the, the need to connect to Hashem. But actually making it happen is a very big challenge, very difficult for us. It doesn't happen by itself. It needs Conscious engagement, which it shouldn't. Support staff is supposed to be there behind the scenes. It's the unrecognized, you know, the unsung hero behind the scenes, right? The 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 um, what do they call them? The executive executive um, assistant, right? The in the old days, what they called a secretary, right? The exec, she's the one that makes her boss look good all the time, but she never gets seen. She's always in the background. She's the one that, but that that idea. That's the way it's supposed to work. The support staff is there to make it so that those things that are supposed to come out can do, can shine and do the best they can. When our hearts and our when our hearts and our minds are in the right place, our bodies are supposed to carry that through and do it automatically, but it doesn't happen so easily. So what happens is when we say brachos countless times a day, right? And we have all these opportunities, the the problem is that we we tend to not engage the part of ourselves that that is necessary to make it all all come together. So the bracha can easily become commonplace, a matter of rote that is devoid of spiritual content. So the halachas that we're going to learn tonight set demonstrate the concern that Chazal had that bracha should reflect a deep spiritual commitment. And they give us etzos, they give us suggestions, they give us halachos. That allow us to focus on what it is that will make it that that bracha should be what it's supposed to be, not just my heart and mind knowing that I want to connect to Hashem, but actually doing that when I, when I go through with the with the action. These halachas are not mere chumras; they're not stringencies. They but they are applications of the law in as it's supposed to be. You can't. It's not something that oh, that's a nice way to make a bracha, but if you don't do it, it's also okay. No, that's the right way to make the bracha if you're going to make a bracha, this is the way you should do it. There are times where even if you didn't do this, you may also have fulfilled your mitzvah, you may, you may not have to repeat the bracha, but in essence, this that's really the goal is really to do it this way. These So um, they're an integral part of the halachos of brachos, the laws of brachos, and are to be treated with the same seriousness as any other halacha pertaining to this subject. So now, this is the first time that we're getting into, I feel like, the meat and potatoes of the halachas of brachos. And everything we've discussed till now has been background. Now we're talking about the halachas of brachos as they apply, and when I'm about to start making a bracha. So now we're in step one. I'm ready to make a bracha. What do I do? What's the right way to approach making a bracha? So number one is you have to have proper kavana. You have to have proper intention. We've spoken already about knowing the name of Hashem and pronouncing the name of Hashem correctly, what language you're supposed to do it in, etc. But it's like this. You must pay attention to the meaning of the bracha that I'm about to recite. So it's mandatory to recite a bracha with full attention to the meaning of the words. I must know what I'm about to say. And with gratitude to Hashem for having provided occasion for that bracha. Nevertheless, somebody who fails to have that proper intention, a bracha and recited to without intent is is, is not a, does not a cause for repeating that bracha. Now, one of the ideas behind that is as follows. The Gemara tells us that if a person said Shema and he didn't have Kavana, the Gemara says, you're supposed to be Machavin when you say the Shema. What happens if I don't have Kavana when I say the Shema? Should I repeat the Shema over again? So the Gemara says, no. The Gemara says, why not? So the Gemara says like this, because who says when you repeat the Shema the second time that you're going to remember to say the Shema with Kavana this time? If you already went through it the first time and you didn't have a Kavana, so now what are you thinking? You're saying, oh, well, I'm going to do it again, and this time I'm going to concentrate. This time I'm going to get it right. It says who? How do you know? And and then all you have is a, that it becomes a bracha, and it becomes a big joke. So the the reality is you're supposed to have Kavana. If you don't have Kavana, you don't repeat the bracha. Now, the attention to the subject of the bracha has ramifications. When a person fails to recite bracha with proper kavana, it not only does he debase that bracha, as we've mentioned before, he, take, he had an opportunity now to recognize Hashem and everything that Hashem has done for him, but he also increases the likelihood that serious mistakes might occur. And these mistakes can often lead to the transgression of saying Hashem's name in vain and uh, other and problems like that. So, there are two different types of things that can happen when I'm making a bracha. Now, I want, I want to point out to you which part of the bracha is the main part of the bracha. I'm, I, I'm sure you're all know No one understand. The main part of the bracha is the opportunity to say Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech olam. Hashem, you are the source of blessing. You should increase the there Should be an increased flow of your presence of which is master of the entire universe who was is and always will be who is the source of all energies and is and is king of the world the opportunity to say that to declare Hashem's malchus to declare Hashem's kingship over the world his mastery over everything that is the opportunity that we're looking for the the ending of the bracha is just my justification for why am I mentioning this now how you know? That's that's the way I'm supposed to be thinking all day, day and night, every every moment of every moment. Shivisi I have Hashem in my mind. Oh, in front, should always be in front of me. I should always be thinking about Hashem's presence. What's my excuse, so to speak? What's my rationale for uh, um, um, expressing this this uh, this connection to Hashem right now? It's whatever it is, whatever bracha I'm making. Shacholni that you gave me this this, this nice glass of water for a Ate you created this beautiful fruit. I'motilachem in art. you gave me this piece of bread. Whatever it is, that's my opportunity now to say to be able to share with share in the reality of Hashem's presence. But the ikkar, the mainstay of that bracha, is That's what I have an opportunity now to declare your kingship over the world. But as a result of improper concentration, two different types of mistakes can occur. The first and less serious type may occur when a person who's fully aware of the subject of the bracha, I know that I'm holding an apple, right? I know that I'm, I'm about to make a bracha on an apple, right? And um, because I'm not focused on the apple, I'm I'm watching I'm listening to uh, to my political talk show or I'm, or I'm talking to my child or I'm having a I'm in the middle of conversation middle of, of cooking supper while I'm about to make my bur priyates right so then what could happen is that because you momentarily lost concentration because you were focused on something else or somehow uh, somehow not conscious of what you were doing so you momentarily lose concentration and through a slip of the tongue you recite the wrong bracha. So here's what happened. Think, this is what's going on in your mind with this, when such a thing happens. When I'm when i when that's happening to me, I'm about to eat my bowl of cereal, and because I'm I'm smelling the coffee that I'm brewing at the same time. So as I'm making the bracha, I have in mind to end up and I glance over at the coffee machine and I say shakol right. Because I wasn't, again, I wasn't fully focused on what's in front of me. We'll talk about exactly how to do that. I wasn't fully focused on the bowl of cereal in front of me. So, and then I allowed my mind to slip and I went, I, oh, I made a shock on the mirror. When I said the words, Baruch what was my intent? What was I planning to say? In those moments, I was planning to say, Bar-Emini and then, because I looked over, because we're, we 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 tend to be unfortunately weak-minded, and we have a hard time holding two thought two thoughts in our mind at the same time. But I looked over at that coffee, or I sniffed it, took a big you know big uh, uh, smelled the aroma of that delicious brewing coffee. So all of a sudden, I I, well, I became focused on the coffee, and I said shahako. So if if it's through that type of uh, uh slip of the tongue, and I said the wrong bracha. So what should I do? So his example is a little different. Example, one's holding a cup of water and he says, Borei Piyagafin, my mistake. So that type of error can, according to all views, be immediately corrected. As long as you say, oh, no, Borei Meneh right with, uh, you don't have to repeat the whole bracha. You simply add on as an addendum the correct ending to that bracha. So I started off saying, um, I started off saying, uh Boremin amazonas my my example, not using the example of the book, me Amazonas, I ended up saying As soon as I did that, I looked down at my serial. I realized, oh my goodness, I meant to say Boremine Amazonas. I can just say Bore- I mean, I mean Boremin Amazonas right? And you shouldn't say I mean, you should just switch it right over. Now, how much time do you have to say that? If the answer is approximately somewhere between one and a half and three seconds. Right? Three seconds would be the long end of it. Um, more, more like closer to, closer to, closer to one and a half to two seconds. The Gemara says the amount of time you have today is the amount of time it would take take you to say Shalom Alecha, Rabbi. In that amount of time, that's what's called. That's referred to as in halacha as Toch Kedei Dibur. Within the amount of time that it says to say a word, a word meaning a greeting, Shalom Alecha, Rabbi. I'm saying hello to somebody. Some say. Some say you could even add another word, shalom Umari. That might get you up to three seconds. You'd have to say shalom very slowly to get to three seconds. But, but it's called one and a half to two seconds after you said that. You say ah, name is right? So you can you can correct that right away. According to all opinions, if if it did that did that right away and he corrected what he was saying. He had the right bracha in mind when he was saying, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Therefore, there's no reason to repeat that first part of the bracha because that ikkar that mainstay of the bracha was said with the right thought in mind. He just, by slip of the tongue, by lack of concentration, he allowed himself to say the wrong bracha. He can go back and correct that bracha. However, there's a second and more serious type of mistake. And that's when somebody is uh, sitting there and eating one type of thing, and he thinks that what he's eating is, is X, and it, it turns out that it's really Y. I have something in front of me, I have a cereal in front of me, and, uh, it, you know, it's uh, it's bran flakes, so I thought that the bran flakes were made with uh, bran flakes are probably a bad example, but um, uh, corn puffs, right? So I thought that the corn puffs were made with, with with wheat flour, and really, they're made with corn flour, so the difference between wheat flour and corn flour is whether or not you make a, in amazonos, so you make a shahako On corn flour, you make a shahako On, on wheat flour, you make a So if you made that mistake at the time that you were eating it, you thought that this cereal was a wheat-based cereal, and it turns out there was really a corn-based cereal, so now you have a more serious issue. So, and that's because you just weren't careful about, being, about looking at the box or being careful about what you were making a bracha on. So the second more serious mistake arises when one is mistaken about the type of food he's about to eat. So for uh, his example, if someone's holding a cup of water, but he thinks it's wine, and he proceeds to make a bari a beautiful bracha with lots of kavana, he made, he said, bari mm-hmm. he had in mind when he said that bracha, I intend to say bari priyagofen. And now, and now he had the wrong bracha in mind when he was saying that bracha, and now he remembers one of two things: either he finishes the bracha and you realize he made the wrong bracha, or he doesn't finish the bracha, and right in the middle he looks down and he recognizes, oh no, it's corn pops, it's it's a corn cereal, it's not wheat cereal, it's it's wa- it's water, it's not wine. It's I'm making the wrong bracha, and he corrects himself and makes the correct bracha. So if he does that, that's one type of mistake he makes. Or he could finish the whole bracha incorrectly, and now what should he do? Does he go back and make a whole new bracha? Because he had the whole wrong intention, just to say, just to correct himself and talk and say, uh, you know, That's not so, that's not so simple. So yeah, so let's let's go through it. So, number one, he 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 was intended to make the wrong bracha. He realizes his mistake before he finishes the bracha, um, <coughs> and he recites the correct. So so then um, uh, he concludes with the correct bracha. Or if he finished the bracha and he corrects himself afterwards, right, so what do you do? So Post can disagree in the first case, Post can disagree whether or not the bracha is valid in either of these cases. Because when you were saying, Hashem, the main part of the mainstay of that bracha, you had the wrong thought in mind. You were intending to make the incorrect bracha. So, and we've learned, so so we're faced with a suffic. Bracha, because because now the, according to the postman that you didn't make a bracha, the postman you did make a bracha. What are we going to do? So we already said when it comes to a bracha that's only durabanam, like all of the brachos we've shown us, all of the first breed that the brachos that I make before eating any food. So we utilize we will use the 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 rule of suffic brachos lahakel that when you're in doubt about a bracha, whether or not to make a new bracha or not to make new bracha. We go. We take a more lenient uh, uh, view on that, and therefore, even though there are poskim that say that since you had the wrong thought in mind, you weren't yotze at all, nevertheless, we paskin that we hold. We say that if you, ha- as long as you ended off with the right bracha, you are not going to repeat the bracha. You're going to stick with the bracha you read and not make another bracha. However, if the situation was that he ate bread. And he ate bread so that he was satisfied. So now, he's he has, a, he has a Torah obligation to bench, to say benching. And he starts off, for whatever reason, he's distracted, he's not thinking about it, he starts off making a baray Nafashos. He makes a baray Nafashos either, he says, gets to the middle of the bracha, he says, and he doesn't go further, or he says, or he, or he actually finishes the bracha, and now he wants to bench, what should he do? So if, however, one ate is full of bread and he has a biblical requirement to recite berkas Samozan, if he commits one of these errors, now it's a suffolk daraisan. Now we're no longer dealing with a rabbinic suffolk. We're no longer dealing with an issue of suffolk brachas So in that case, he's going to have to repeat the berkas Samozan. However, in case one, um, where he started off the bracha and then he ended it off correctly... So now he finished benching, but it turns out that the original beginning of his bracha was made in with the incorrect havana. In that case, he would not have to repeat the birk because He does not have to say it over again. Now, if the bracha was corrected after a span of three seconds, if a person said, Baruch <laughs> and then somebody sitting next to him says, you know, that's really a wheat cereal. You should be making mizonos. That's Now, that's a lot longer that sentence that I just said took a lot longer than three seconds to relate that to you. So now you can't go, oh, I mean, I mean, you can't do that anymore. You're, 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 you're way over your time limit. So now the correction, you cannot correct it. And now you have to make a new bracha because you don't have any bracha at all. It's not, it's not a question of selfish brachos la'akel. It's not a question of when in doubt, do I make another bracha? It's clear that I did not make the bracha. Again, I, I was sitting here and I'm eating a cereal that's made of corn flour. Cornflower flour is a shahakol. It's not a, it's not a shahakol, but at best a hadama, right? So I'm sitting here and I'm eating this cereal, and I made a barim in Amazonos, and then somebody corrected me and told me that the correct bracha is whatever it is. That correction took more than three seconds for me to realize. Okay, now you have to make a new bracha. Now you you, you didn't make the right bracha. You have to you have to you have to recite the bracha over again. Okay. Um, one who takes care to recite his brachas with proper attention avoids this type of problem. If a person will focus beforehand, look at the food that you're about to make a bracha on, right, and 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 focus on it, and we're going to give you some suggestions of how to focus on that, how to focus on the bracha, um, then you will not come to make these mistakes. So, por- the post government have ordained for us, meaning in halacha and shulchan it tells us numerous ways that one can ensure proper concentration. Um, before making a bracha. And here are the suggestions. Number one, every bracha that you're going to make, you should say it out loud. Meaning that means that now, if I'm going to say the bracha out loud, I'm going to think about the pronunciation, I'm going to think about what it means. and So it's proper that one intone a bracha in a loud voice. Now, let me qualify what a loud voice means. It doesn't mean that if you're sitting on one end of your house, the people at the other end of the house have to be able to hear your bracha so they can say, i That's a very nice thing if you're when you're dealing with little children, etc. Saying a bracha out loud means don't mumble the words. Say say each word out loud, clearly enunciated each each word properly, and in that way, you're focused on what bracha I'm going to make, and they know which bracha I'm going to say Um, by articulating the bracha in a loud voice rather than mumbling silently and just quickly. right? That was a bracha? What was that? What did you say? Uh, You didn't hear what I said, because it didn't say the words clearly. If you say, say, shahakol, nihiya, bidvaro. If I know what bracha I'm going to say, I'm going to think about it first, because I'm going to have to say the words clearly. I'm going to have to say it out loud, and everybody's going to hear me. And there's greater likelihood that that bracha will be recited with serious kavana, with proper concentration, knowing what it is. That's suggestion number one, or halacha number one, that goes into making these brachas properly. Number two is... That, um, uh, is it's important when making a bracha to hold the object that you're making the bracha on in your hand. If you have a glass of water, you have something. Hold, pick up that bracha. Pick up, pick up that 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 um, that that item, and and hold it in your hand. Um, um, yeah. I mean, let me just, before we even get to that, it's important to think deliberately into what bracha am I about to make? Before I even talk about picking up the object and making a bracha on it, when when I'm about to make a bracha, I should consciously stop and say, okay, I'm going to make a bracha of X. What that prevents is the following. Let's say you have a melon. Okay, a watermelon, or even a cantaloupe, or a honeydew, right? What bracha are you making on it? So, well, it looks like a fruit, but it's not a fruit, it's a melon. And it grows on a vine that's on the ground. So now you have to think about that. You say, oh, what, what bracha is that? Is that ha'etz? No, maybe I think it's ha'edamah. Maybe I don't know what bracha is. Maybe I should ask somebody before I make a or if I'm stuck and there's nobody to ask, maybe I'll make a bracha on a tomato and an apple, and then I'll be able to eat my melon because, because I already made a different, I made both brachas, so i am covered for sure. But the point is, if I if I stop and I focus, what bracha am I about to make? It prevents a lot of problems. If a person starts, to, picks up a picks up a, a piece of cantaloupe, uh, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, that you should pick up the item that you're making a bracha on. I pick up a piece of, of and I start to make the bracha. And now suddenly I'm like, oh, is it ha or ha What should I say? Now I'm already in the middle of the bracha. And there's a problem here. Because as I mentioned to you before, the ichor, the mainstay of that bracha are those first words that you said. Hashem, You said those words without knowing what you were saying them for. You don't know what, you didn't concentrate on what the ending of the bracha was. Whereas if you stop before and you say, Melon, oh, that's a Dhamma. Now I know what bracha I'm going to make. I I, I solve one, it resolves all sorts kinds of issues and all kinds of problems, knowing what bracha I'm going to make. After I've figured out what bracha I'm going to make, pick up the object in your hand. Grasping the object, that the bracha is to be recited on, in order to recite, to direct one's thought to the subject of the bracha, the object, whether it's a mitzvah that I'm doing, like a, like a netilas lulav, or, or, a or, or a shayfar, right? The object should be held in your hand. And since the right hand is considered the more important of the two, the object should should be ideally grasped in the right hand. Or if you're a left-handed person, that is, your, your left hand is your right hand. A left-handed, left-handed person should grasp the object in his left hand, which is to him of great importance. If a person pays careful attention to these halachas, it will be far less likely to make a mistake when he says that bracha. And the truth is, most mistakes in brachas are products of inadvertence and inattention. Failure to adhere to these halachas, concentrating on what bracha I'm going to make, knowing the meaning of the words, knowing, saying the bracha out loud, holding the object in my hand. None of those none hal- of those halachas invalidate my bracha, but. Because they're only there to enhance the bracha, but they will prevent um, uh, making mistakes. Um, and although failure to grasp the object in one's hands does not render the bracha invalid, if the if the um, object was not brought brought before him until after the recital of the bracha, let's say you know somebody's bringing whatever it is, uh, apple pie uh, from the kitchen. So you want to make a bracha beforehand. Okay, apple pie, complicated bracha. You're, bracha. you're making a bracha, you're making a bracha, whatever bracha it is that you're making, but the apple pie is not at the table yet. The ice cream is not at the table yet. And you make a bracha before they bring that that item in, right? So that is problematic. Um, if you don't know for sure that that's exactly what's coming, for, for coming out, that bracha could be considered invalid and might have to be repeated. Now, this gets us into an area of, of debate. This is a big shallow. Um, whether or not, whether or not if, if the bracha, if the item was not in front of me, um, do I have to, is the bracha, in that, does it invalidate the bracha or not? So Rabbi Forrest over here, Hoskins, that seems to be Hoskins, that if the bracha, if the item is not in front of you, when and you don't know that it's forthcoming, um, the bracha is invalid and must be repeated. Rabbi Bodner is less stringent on that. Rabbi Bodner writes in his Sefer that even if the item is not in front of you, as long as you know where it is and it's accessible to you, meaning you could go get it if you wanted to, then that's good enough. That's that's enough. That's sufficient to be able to make a brach on it, even if you don't actually have the item in front of you. Again, Ideally, the bracha, the item should be in front of you. Let me give you a classical case where this comes up all the time. Well, it doesn't, now after post corona, this is a much less of a problem. But, but what am I going to do if I want to take a drink from the water fountain? I want to drink water from the water fountain. So, and I don't have a cup. I don't have, let's, let's assume pre corona days, right? In the days when people still drank from water fountains. I don't know if anybody drinks from water fountains anymore nowadays. But in days when people still, when the, you have you, Mrs. Yavner, you have your kids. They're lining up by the water fountain. They want to take a drink. So how can they make a bracha? The water is not in front of them. The water is inside the inside the pipes. So even if they press the button and get the water flowing, that's not the water they're going to drink from. Because the water that's coming out while they're making a bracha, that's just going down the drain. The only water they're going to get is the water that comes afterwards. How do you make a bracha on that? So that's that's what rabbi Badner means. That if you have a if you have an island, something that you know you're going to be able to have access to it. So you press the button on the water fountain. You make sure the water fountain works. Good. That's a very good eitzah. That's a very good suggestion. Because if you press that, you make a bracha, and you press the button on the water fountain. and Uh oh! They shut it off because of corona. They don't have. There's no raw no water coming out of this water fountain. <coughs> now you have a bracha batala. So you want to press that button to make sure the water's working, the water's flowing. Okay, now I know the water's flowing, I know I have access to that water, even if it's not actually in front of me right now, Rebbe says, that's good enough to make a brach on it. force seems to feel that is, obviously, the ideal situation over here would be, get a cup, put the water into a cup, hold the cup, look at the cup, say, oh, I'm going to make a shahak on my water. And I drink from my cup. Oh, that's, that's the most mental way, the best way to possibly do it. But assuming that's not possible, it's not there. All the kids are lined up by the water fountain. You're not telling somebody to go find cups for them because still you find cups, half the kids are going to, who knows what, you have a riot on your hands, right? So you, But they need to make a shakal. Make sure the water fountain's working and then without they don't have to hold the button down. The water doesn't have to be running. They can make a bracha, and then press the button and eat or drink the water. That would be fine. Um as long as you know that it's coming in, you don't the bracha doesn't have to repeat it. If it's a situation where you don't have access to that, you don't know that the you don't know that the, that it's actually going to work, or you don't know that it's actually going to come out. Um uh you know, you want the the the, the classical. One of your kids, right? You you come to a candy machine, and your kid wants you to buy them a candy. So what do they do? They stand in front of the candy machine and say, oh, 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 I made a bracha. You have, to, you have to give me food now. You have to buy the candy from the candy machine." No, 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 no. That bracha was invalid because since you didn't have you didn't have the money, mommy had the money, and mommy wasn't planning on spending the money. So if you don't, if you go ahead and make a bracha in front of that candy machine, right, but without being able to have access to it. Even if mommy goes ahead and buys the candy afterwards, because you twisted her arm behind her back and began making a bracha, you got to make a new bracha. That bracha was already a bracha of because because you didn't have access, even though you could see the candy, but because you go, you didn't have access to that candy at that time when you were making the bracha, that bracha no good. So that's the that, that's the other aspect of this that, that the bracha absolutely has to be made with 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 that in, with that in mind. Um, Okay, um, if if you didn't know that you were going to get the bracha, if you didn't know that you were going to get the item at all, like, like my example with the candy machine or any other such example, you made a bracha and then all of a sudden somebody brings food in. That bracha doesn't count. Now, there's another aspect of proper coverage for the brachos we've talked about up until now. has been the the what the etzos the suggestions or the halachas that are in place to ensure that I make a bracha with a proper kavana. Besides from making a bracha with a proper kavana with the right intent, it's also important that the bracha be made with the proper respect. I'm making a bracha now. I'm standing in front of the Rebarnashev, I'm standing from the creator of the universe, and I'm declaring my fealty to him, I'm declaring his kingship over the world. It needs to be done correctly. So in order to do that, a person must refrain from activity while reciting a bracha, for example. It's meaning it's in, in, it's, it is prohibited to engage in any activity significant or insignificant at the time of signing a bracha, whether what you're doing is is something that requires my attention, or it's something brainless that I, you know, I'm stirring the pot of soup. I give you an example, right? I'm stirring the pot of soup, and while I'm stirring the soup, I want to make a shako and take a drink. So I pick up my cup and my left and my and well, I don't I don't know if you can stir with your left hand. I don't know. I'd have a hard time. But I'm not so coordinated. Stirring soup with my left hand would be a challenge. But let's assume you. Let's assume you ladies are more. Experience than I am. You can stir with your left hand, and you pick up your cup of water with your right hand, and you make a bracha. And while you're doing, you're stirring the soup the whole time. Not good. Not not okay. You you shouldn't be doing other things while you're making a bracha. It's a refraining. It's prohibited to engage in any activity significant or insignificant at the time of reciting a bracha. When a bracha is being recited, it should be the sole subject of your attention and involving in, and oneself in other activities while reciting a bracha shows lack of respect for that bracha, and so some of the examples of improper activities commonly done during a bracha are like as, as follows. You're sitting at the table and you're benching. You're benching, right? Everybody's sitting around the table benching. You've, you've been benching your whole life. You know the benching by heart. No problem. You got this down cold. As you're benching, you notice that, you know, somebody, the, the person that was sitting next to you, they made, they made a huge mess with crumbs and everything all over your table. And you have to clean it up. So while you're benching, you just keep on going and you start uh, sweeping up the crumbs, right? I'm not, it's not taking away my attention. I can, I can bench. I'll even say the words out loud while I'm benching. It's, it's a brainless activity. If a person's saying b- b- benching, until the, after the fourth bracha, it's one series of brachos and it's not appropriate for you to be brushing away crumbs while reciting the, that that section of Berakha Moshe, but similarly, you want to drink. So as you're drink, as you're pouring the soda, you, may, you make your bracha. You finish drinking and pouring, and you take a, you take a sip at the same time. Or you're peeling an orange. So you're almost done. So you start making the bracha as you finish peeling the orange. Again, not appropriate. You finish peeling the orange. Hold the orange in your hand. Look at it. Concentrate on what bracha I'm going to make. Think about the bracha, and then say the bracha while you're holding the item in your hand. That's the proper way to do it. May not recite a bracha while pouring, pouring a cup of soda or peeling an orange, right? Do those things beforehand. Now, this next one is a little bit more controversial. Somebody's putting on a talus, not something that I expected the ladies to do on a regular basis, so I'll give you an example of something which you do all the time. time you washed your hands for bread, right? You wash your hands. So now, when you, after you wash your hands, part of the process of, washing, of the washing of your hands is to dry them. Now, you know that mitzvahs are supposed to be done. When you make a bracha on a mitzvah, you're supposed to do it before you do the mitzvah. Of course, you all know that the exception to that is your lighting of Friday night candles. Because you, if you would light your Friday night candles um, after you made the bracha, you already were makavah Shabbos. So you light your candles first. But <laughs> what about on Yom Tov? What about on Yom Tov? I make a bracha and I start lighting my candles. What, what's the right way to do that? So the, the idea is you're supposed to make the bracha and then do whatever it takes to, to, to fulfill the mitzvah. So you shouldn't be lighting those candles until you finish the bracha. Finish the bracha, and then light the candles. Finish the bracha, and then dry your hands. Not dry, at least at some Now, this is not so simple. His example is the towels. Putting on your towels, you start unfolding it and holding it up and all the rest of that while you're putting it on. Now, that's not so simple. Take a look in footnote number four, 144. Shal Zaman says... That it's not such a big problem because he says since that's part of the mitzvah is to have dry hands, so therefore the fact that I'm drying my hands while I'm making the bracha doesn't take away from the bracha. It's not like what's um, uh, cleaning up the crumbs. Cleaning up the crumbs is not part of the mitzvah. It's not part of. It's not part of benching. Peeling the orange is not part of eating the eating of the orange. It's it's the preparation for eating the orange. But drying your hands or lighting your candles. Or holding up your talents, those are all part of the mitzvah. So, since they're part of the mitzvah, Rishonos holds us, those; those would not be as much of an interruption. Wouldn't be the same. It would not be exactly the same as these activities that we've described until now. Um, if a person uh, said a bracha while doing such a thing, he is not. He's yotzi the mitzvah. The mitzvah the is valid. But again, it's a question of proper respect for the bracha, and that that perhaps is not doing what um uh, what what you what you should be doing now, I just want to point out uh, and see we're running out of time, but i just I just want to point out there is one other aspect of that this that 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 comes into it that you need to think about, and that is what what should I be doing when I make a bracha? so it's the Allah has brought down that when you're making a birkas hamitzvah, mitzvah, you're making a bracha on a mitzvah, you should be standing up. It's appropriate to stand, stand, not walk stand standing in one place to make a bracha. And when you make a birka sanen and you make a bracha on something you want to benefit from, ideally one should be seated. Especially benching, There, it's even benching, it's brought the halacha that you should have, you have to be sitting sitting down when you bench. Um, If you make a bracha on food, it's it's preferable that one be seated. Again, if somebody's walking, here, there are activities that a person does which are which are beyond mindless, like walking. Or if a person is traveling, let's say, and if to stop traveling, um, you're in the car. So if I was to tell you that if in order to make a shahako on the, on the water bottle that you want to drink while you're traveling, you got to pull over to the shoulder. So then the post can bring down like this. The problem is, yes, ideally, if you're a very calm person and you have you know total, total self-control, then that perhaps is the best thing to do. Pull over to the side of the road and make a bracha, just like if you want me to make a phone call, right? What are they going to tell you? Pull over to the side and make your phone call, send your text when you pull over to the side of the road. But most people, if you tell them that they have to pull over to the side of the road when they make a bracha, they're going to be even more anxious because of the fact that you told them that to pull over than than if they were than if they were to keep moving. So so um, if that's the case, um, the can advise that it's okay to continue walking, or continue traveling, and make the bracha while you're traveling, or while you're walking, because you'll probably concentrate better, again, it's not going to be ideal, but you'll probably concentrate better walking than you will if I tell you, you know what, if you want to make, if you want to eat something, stop, make a bracha, drink it, and then continue walking, you're going to get so anxious, and so so whatever the word, proper English word for that is, and you're like, oh, out of sorts because you had to stop and you interrupt whatever you're doing, so that, so that, that type of thing. But uh, distracting yourself with other things, if you're in the middle of learning or you're you're opening the mail or you're sweeping off the table, something like that, those are activities that a person should not be doing while making a bracha. You should take a pause, make the bracha, and then continue with your continue with that activity. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. B'rsham, we will pick it up again next week, and it should be on Tuesday. Okay. Have a good night.